This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Well, hello and happy new year and welcome to the first of you from the Cop podcast of 2019. And what a year it's set up to be for Liverpool. We've been four points clear at the top and a Champions League knockout stage is to come. But it's also a year that's begun with back-to-back defeats and we will be discussing those losses to Manchester City and Wolves, what they meant, how the Reds will react to the January transfer window and lots more else besides. Uh, and joining me today, today, Paul Wheelock, I've got Neil McDonald. Hello. Paul Philbin. Hello. Sean Bradbury. Hello. And Matt Addison. Hello. Now, regular listeners of this podcast will know that Phil Boat was refusing to have his hair cut until Liverpool lost in the Premier League and 20 game, 21 games in, I should say. Have you had a little trim yet, mate? I've had a little, <laughs> half, <laughs> a little trim. Half, half, half a centimetre off and I had a thinned out. But uh, scissors went in, so it was cut. How much did he charge? Tenner. Tenner? Oh, I think what, what started as a bet has turned into a, like a lifestyle for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, it got to a point where it started to like it, so I'm like, oh, I'm keeping it now. It's our mm-hmm. fault as well because we never specified the terms. It should you have just been said it cut, yeah, yeah. And I won my own sweep, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. We had the sweep Whoa. in the office and uh, I said Man City away would be the first defeat of the season. So, happy days. Where he paid for me to get my hair cut and I didn't really get it cut. <laughs> and I remember, mate, on a, a, a message between us, you said that you fancied Liverpool to be seven points clear going into that City yeah. game. That's you, right. you know, we definitely did say that, people. But uh, you know, before we get on to that City game, I just think it's, it's it's worth talking about it really because before the last view from the Cop podcast was before United, wasn't it? And if that was part of that eight game winning run that started against Everton in the derby and ended after Arsenal. Uh, you know, in all the years you've been following Liverpool, like that, just how much fun was that? Because, Matt, as you were saying, it's never been done before, a run like that in one month. And it's, it's, it's the best start in Liverpool's history in the league. It was fun, but at times it was also nerve-wracking. Like, the last 20 minutes against United, for example, when it was still 1-1, and you, it felt like a must-win. Those moments are tense and whatnot, but when you look back at it, it was a lot of the fun. It, was, it wasn't just eight wins against run of the mill sides it was eight big wins and all in different ways we we won in every single way possible over a period of eight games and in crucial games as well so it's, it showed a lot about the character of the team as well more more than anything like you can go and win eight on a run between like february and march when you're not playing for much but when the pressure's on and you see a chance and you take that chance it's different and it was it was a load of fun. I absolutely loved December, it was great. Yeah, I, I can't think of a more impressive run of form and, and you know, set set of wins than that. Obviously we've had months where we've collected trophies, multiple trophies, and they're they're the ones you really remember, but this could be so defining for the season. Um and yeah, I like like Phil said, we won in so many ways, which which was impressive. But I think we just all the questions that were slightly hanging around maybe at the end of November when we've lost a couple of games in the Champions League and we just drawn with Arsenal and we going into the month. Um, were all just answered emphatically and that Salah was unbelievable he, he raised his game he really really kind of got tuned into that that new role uh, up front in the middle and just kind of dragged us through it probably for me the most impressive uh, spell that he's had for us despite some of his magnificence last season just thought he was unbelievable uh, the guys at the back obviously it was just um, it was it was a relentlessness that kind of marked City's um, campaign last season and you know we obviously had, had a brilliant start um, but yeah, it, it reminded me of, of what they did at the beginning of last season um, in, in how impressive it was. Yeah, I think it was just a joy to, to be a part of it, to be honest. It was obviously at the time there was a lot of pressure, as we mentioned before, but when you're winning, you want each game to come as quickly as possible. And to have two games a week and to keep you know members of the squad happy, to win games like that, 
it just shows what momentum can do, really. Neil, I remember at a podcast we did after the Champions League final, both you and, and Philbo said straight then back in May that Liverpool are going to win the league uh, this season or what would it be next season. Did what happened in December and that, that run just reinforced that? Do you truly believe in it now after, what, after what's gone on? Like Paul, I, I believed in it at the end of last season. I thought we were good enough and we recruited really well. Um, and even though, I mean, people forget now because we've had such a good run in December at the start of the season, we were winning games, but people were constantly saying, well, we're not playing well, we're yeah. not doing when really well. Yeah. Yeah. When When's it going to, you know, when's it going to begin? I think people expected us to um, to just blow teams away. But no, I'd, I always felt that this was, our, um, this was our best chance because everything was coming together and everything came together last season and, and we've evolved and developed since then into, you know, just a, a ruthless sort of winning machine now, you know, when we got the, um, certainly in the league, um, without um, the sort of massive rotation that we saw uh, at Wolves in the Cup, but we just seem to be able to turn teams over. Um, and, of course, I mean, who could ever uh, have thought in, in the club's re- uh, massive history that we'd come up against an opponent like City with the resources and the players and the manager. So, like we've always said, any other season, we would be seven, eight, nine points yeah, clear yeah, now um, and going away. Whereas as it is, we'd, we'd sort of, what we've done has just been enough to get us a bit of breathing room. Um, but yeah, I think this is it. Why not? You know, let's um, let's go for it. We've got the, we've got the players. The side is imp- has been improving steadily all through the season. So let's just keep going and um, yeah, let's win it. Was there any doubt or anything creeping after the last Thursday, after City clawed that gap back from seven to four? What was the feeling coming out the ground, Paul? <laughs> it, it was such a strange feeling because it, it was a free hit in a way, wasn't it? Even though you don't really want to say that and you don't want the players going into the ground thinking that themselves. But worst case scenario, we were four points ahead of Manchester City and they can no longer damage us. Like... We've just got to play every team, whereas they are playing every team and also us now because they're the ones chasing. Coming out the ground, it was the way Man City players and fans celebrated in that ground, it felt like they thought that, oh, that's it, done, We're, these are going to crumble. I don't think that Liverpool, like the Liverpool side has got that in them. Like, Kyle Walker was on the pitch for five minutes and he was on his knees. Like, <laughs> like I actually, like he won the league that night and it was it was crazy. And I think everyone after that City game, I don't think I've seen any any negativity around it. It was just like we've lost on to the next one. It wasn't as if we played bad and deserved or hammered or whatnot. We played well against a good team at their ground and just got beat. Yeah. It was just one of those on to the next one kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think if there's any cause for concern, I guess it's that, like, like Phil was saying, there was that massive, you know, display of like emotion from the city players at the end, and, and it, it does give them something to, you know, there's a narrative there, isn't it? They can they can kind of hook a bit of momentum off that and try and you know um, overhaul us in the way that we we've been so impressive and relentless, and, and I've, I've kind of done that to them over the past couple of months. And I guess was that was was it the first time you could see the two in the league this season? Yeah. And you know you do worry. Obviously, you did, did so again against Wolves, even though you know we have in, in, in cup competitions. Um, and and what's happened at the back is is a little bit of a worry. But but it's you know four points ahead still. Like it, it's it's just perspectives needed, isn't it? If we, we would every single Liverpool fan would have taken that a few months ago. Um, you know we we've, we've talked in pods before about 
the the way those two city games came in the fixture list, it was like, well, if we're with them, when was the first one? October. Yeah. If you yeah. know, if, if we're keeping pace with them by then, we'll be in good shape. You know, we'll all be pleased with that. And then this one's obviously been on on the horizon for a while, and it's everyone's kind of been keeping an eye on it, and it didn't go our way. But again, like Paul said, we we matched them on virtually every single measure. It was a decided on fine margins. They they buried their half chances and fair play to them. But we, we matched them at their place as well. And I just like to think that despite what's happened in the FA Cup as well, we can we can still almost take take something from that game. It's not, it's not good to lose, but if you're gonna if you're gonna lose to City in any kind of circumstances, I don't think that's the worst way to do it. If that makes sense, just because we you can genuinely say we it was an, an even contest. Oh, so, to be honest, sorry, Paul. Just to say, to be honest, I wouldn't even worry about the, the Wolves defeat either you know no. if you look at the um, the team he put out I mean obviously disappointed about the FA Cup sure but any one of our rivals at the top you know if you put Spurs or you put um, uh, City uh, in the same circumstances we had uh, going to Wolves they would have struggled so I'd have made the right the same decision as Klopp in terms of rotating the squad and yes we conceded two goals but with Simon Mignolet in goal with our one recognised senior centre-back going off after a couple of minutes and then a 16-year-old lad coming in and performing amazingly yeah. uh, amazingly well. So th- that's just, you know, we should just forget about that. It's not a case of, oh, we've lost two, what are we going to do? And things seem to be going wrong. We lost one against our main rivals for the league, um, like you say, at their place by a fine margin. And then we lost another with effectively a, a shadow squad. Um, so... You know, things are things. We're still strong. We're still in a strong position. All that happened really at the Etihad. I know we got beaten, whatnot. But City just made up for their error against Crystal Palace. And if on a, like it could have been completely different. If you would have went there one point ahead and come away four points ahead, everyone yeah. would have been torn. Yeah, it's completely yeah, different. Yeah. But in reality, it's four points no matter what. And the run of fixtures that we've got coming up in the league as well as these breaks it just feels like it could be watches go now people are like oh Liverpool are starting to play watches going to third and fourth here now because it's one game a week until well the middle of February I think so it's all <laughs> it's all great in my eyes and I had a look at City's fixtures and with the FA Cup and the League Cup to get to the League Cup final it's Everton that gets cancelled, doesn't it? Or really? If they go into the fifth round, it's Manchester United. So both midweek games. Both midweek games. If we put the pressure on them going into those games, you've seen City absolutely crack under the pressure. Yeah, I think between now and Bayern Munich, it's, I think we've got five games. They've got ten, something like that. Anyway, mm-hmm. so I mean, if, if they're playing twice as much, they've got twice as many opportunities <laughs> to slip up, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. You all seem pretty calm and rightly so. City. Played like with a frenzy that night, didn't they? I thought that was a big, big nod to to Klopp where the, the the players played, but the fans as well. Like uh, you, you mentioned it there before, Phil. But I've never heard the Etihad like that before. I don't think they'll celebrate a win over United as much as they celebrate no. that. Are they desperate for a rivalry with Liverpool, City fans? We spoke about it before the first game, aren't we? But you've not heard the end of it this last week. <laughs> <laughs> well, they they are, and I think the best thing for Liverpool fans to do is just let them try and. <laughs> Do that, like it winds them up. That like, I go back to that, like the rivalry with Chelsea, Liverpool fans, bait, like they took the bait, and all the songs towards Chelsea about the history and whatnot, and going to Stamford Bridge and also Chelsea at home, are probably the two games that I 
hate the most because it's like a pantomime. Oh, we'll sing about Gerard. Oh, we'll sing about Gerard. This and that. Back and forth. With Manchester City, they were singing their version of Ale 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 and no one bit. And that got to them. <laughs> so we just could let them do that and it'll just make them really angry. And when you said about the Etihad being loud, they felt like they were on the last chance this season. So if we win on Saturday and then they play Wolves on Monday night, they drop points. It's just back to where we were at the, like, the start of the year. So they are chasing and they can't slip up much. Yeah, it's an interesting point that the rivalry mm-hmm. one. I know we've, we've talked about this before. And like, I think, in, in a way, this season, for the past few seasons in the in, in the Prem, there's been you know not not quite processions, but a lot of title races that were over by you know the start of maybe the, the new year or like you know not long after. Um, it's kind of quite clear who was going to go on to lift it. Like, I think to a certain extent, the rivalry will I'm not saying it's inevitable and it's never going to be on like the top tier. And I, I totally agree with Paul that like, I think this one feels like it's. It's coming slightly more from one direction, and, and it's not ours. But you know, if this is a great title race and it goes to the wire, which it looks like it could do, um, you know, we had some great encounters with them last season. I think on a purely like footballing level, and like the Klopp versus Guardiola thing, I think there's you've got to say a bit of, a bit of a rivalry rivalry will, will emerge. Excuse me, um, and kind of I think I said this on a previous pod. I hope it does in a way, and that we get this for a few seasons because you know it'll mean we're we're up there competing with them uh, for the for the kind of medium to long term. It wasn't that long ago that Man City were going to Anfield and trying to get Liverpool fans to join in, sing and stand up if you like Man United. <laughs> so that, like, I think that says a lot about their fan base. <laughs> Matt, do you think what Sean was saying there, that this is the start of a, a long-standing rivalry in the 80s, Liverpool-Everton, Liverpool-Arsenal, and we're talking more recently, uh, the Liverpool-Chelsea ones, but do you think this is the start of something this season? It's not just going to be a one-off battle between these two clubs? I think so, yeah. I don't, I don't think it's a, a traditional rival in, in any sort of sense, really. But on the pitch, these are the two best teams in the country at the moment. They're the two uh, top coaches, obviously, Klopp and Guardiola. And you wouldn't be too surprised if, for the next five, six, seven seasons, those are the two teams that compete for the league title. So, in that sense, I think it's it's almost inevitable that a rivalry emerges, um, whether we like it or not. It's you interesting know. as well, if you look at the, the rivalries, or the, the recent rivalries we've had, with City and with Chelsea, and both of them, we've been essentially having a go at the the moneyed mm. team in the yeah. league. You know, with Mourinho's Chelsea had so much money to spend, and we were the, the plucky upstarts under Rafa. And, and this time, I don't think we're at. You can't say we're the same. You know, we're much better in a much better position as a club. But again, you know, we are going after the the moneyed team in the league. You know, the team with just bottomless um, bottomless riches. And I think. For myself, I think in terms of what I identify with being a fan of Liverpool is all about. It's never been about spending the most money or or amassing this sort of team of superstars. It's been about building something that you can believe in and getting together a group of players you can believe in. And I think, and, and what's more, a group of players who seem to believe in the same idea. So I think that's, if we do have a rivalry, I think that's a good thing because our system of belief if you like I would put that as stronger than than cities would be if that makes sense you know what I mean like, yeah. yeah it's an interesting point though because you're right but then at the same point Champagne Devils I looked at City's lineup against Rotherham on, on Sunday and, and let's face it they should beat Rotherham any day but if that was like a partly second string side it was pretty scary the, the players they had on the players they could bring on and yeah, Neil's completely right. Klopp probably for the first time in his reign spent big last summer, didn't he? And, and rightly so. Do you think 
they need more business they need to be done this month and now Klopp's basically said no nah, I don't think so but me and Matt were talking before and is he cleaning the decks in a way cleaning the decks you know Klein's gone out on loan just banked £19 million for Solanke do, do you think he might have something up his sleeve it's an interesting one and in, in a way I, I hope he does because um, if you look at a lot of the players we have signed on, on the Klopp and in recent seasons and that little bit of time that it's taken them to acclimatise I think given what's coming in the summer um, I think it would be great if we if we brought a couple of players in now who we think will feature next season for, for various reasons and give them that time like the, you know Robbo uh, Ox even Fabinho this season it's, it's took a little while hasn't it but now he looks you know much more settled um, and I'd, the one I'd like to see a sign I guess you know a centre-back is one that we can, I'm sure we can talk about what lots of people have said given given the, the uh, problems we've got at the back injury-wise I'd like to see a sign forward um, and part of the thing I'm worried about in the summer is you'll have had um, Salah, Mane, I guess Cater as well, but 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 those the first two um, are playing the World Cup and an African Cup of Nations yeah. back to back in two summers and, and two long seasons. Or you know, hopefully this this is going to be a season that goes right down to the wire and we're competing for things in it. Um, I think we've been a bit lucky with the, the front three have been relatively injury free like this season and last so far. Touch wood that that stays the same, but just they they're going to they're going to be knackered and um, you know, like you say, the, the clearing the deck seems to have started, but. You know, Rigi, Sturridge, um, are they going to be with us from the summer onwards? Possibly not. Um, so I, I think, you know, given the depth that City have got, um, and Spurs have done remarkably well, even though they didn't make any signs in the summer, they, they've still got quite a strong and settled squad. For us to hit the ground running next next season, after what could happen in the summer, I'd like to see a forward signed who can start betting in now, and maybe, maybe even a couple more. But, you know, it seems from what the manager says that it's not looking likely at this stage, but... Never know. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the issue is in January you don't get that the value that you necessarily get in the summer from the club's perspective. You know, we don't have as much money as Manchester City. We don't have the, the same resources. And it might just be that the one target that they want, you know, they've got someone in mind and that's going to take place in the summer. But I, I do agree. I think, you know, it's January. We can always add one or two more. And you don't want to be looking back at the end of the season thinking, what if? Elbows, anyone you particularly? Is it centre back? You know, given the injury to Lovren, given the injury to Gomez and, and Matip as well. We were discussing this before um, when we were sat at our desk, and I said um, Alderweire up with his this twenty five pound clause. If you go and go and sign a backup centre back, you're going to be paying at least fifteen million anyway. Mm. So why not go and sign Alderweire for twenty five million and put him next to Van Dijk? <laughs> it seems ridiculous that we wouldn't really think about it because the value's there. Yes, he's close to thirty or he is thirty, but he's still got three years at the top level minimum to um, form a, what would be an unbelievable partnership with Van Dijk. But I was saying to Sean as well, I'd like to see us to go and sign a right back. Like Trent's great and whatnot, but. You can't rely on a 19-year-old from now till the end of the season. You, it, I know we've got Milner who can play there and Fabinho, but there's nothing like having a natural fullback. And I said Juan Bissaka from Palace. Yeah, he's a good player. He's really he's good. And he gets really forward. Player, and, yeah. like, it may cost £35 million, but just go and do it. If you've got the money, go and do it. On the strike, I think it's, it's one of those. You look at it now, the way we play. Salah's number one, and then for me, knows your second choice striker, even though he's playing. So we've got the options there. The maybe we don't need somebody, but if you to get somebody in, you can add something. Then if if it's on the table, go and do it. 
What what you said then about if he's got something up his sleeve, I was just thinking back then to our recent signings, like they have kind of come out of nowhere. Mm, yeah, yeah. Like, and yeah. Like even the Kaito one, everyone was like, We're gonna well, summer twenty seventeen was like Kaita, Kaita, Kaita. And then we just agreed a deal for the season after. But nobody saw that coming. Yeah, it's like cloak and dagger, isn't it? Yeah, well, the, exactly. The old yeah. way of doing it. The old way well, that's how it feels. And Fabinho was the same. Alisson was the same. That they've all come out of nowhere. So maybe there might be something there. And the one that was publicly out there just didn't happen with Fakir. So mm-hmm. maybe we don't know. A couple of points from that. First is, like you said, Matt, you don't want to be looking back at the end of the season. The last couple of times we've gone for the title and gone close to the title... That's exactly what we've done, isn't it? Because we've got through January without bringing anyone in at all. And then, in both cases, we were sort of caught out um, a bit. I mean, under Benitez, we actually sold Robbie Keane in January. Now, whether he thought he was a good player or not, and clearly not, he was at least another striker that that you then didn't have for the second half of the season. And then, then under Rodgers, when the time came to try and change things up against Chelsea, we had no one to... Um, to deliver off the um, off the bench, a couple of things about the, the squad now. I think the centre back issue. I mean, we've we've obviously spent big on centre back, and you don't want to sign someone who gets in Joe Gomez's way. But every year, this is the thing: we have a centre back injury mm-hmm. crisis, mm-hmm. and it's because and it seems like it's because Matip and Lovren cannot be trusted to stay fit. Mm-hmm. They play four or five games, and and then. That is it. They they don't seem capable of uh, physically of coping with the demands of of coming into the uh, into the squad. But it's you know it wasn't that long ago that we had to get Stephen Corker because mm. there was we were we were under such pressure. And it's it's like um, the goalkeeper issue. You know if you keep on having problems with goalkeepers, eventually you go out and you, you strengthen that department. And to me, it's the same with centre backs. We keep on having injury issues around our centre backs. So we need to sign a centre back who doesn't get injured. Um, you know, now Van Dyke Touchwood has been that so far, but he can't carry it on his um, on his own. On the centre half issue with Matty and Lovren, when we were coming over from Wolves tonight, somebody uh, tweeted something along the lines of Lovren in his Liverpool career has only played six consecutive games three times. It was, Wolves was the first time he played his seventh consecutive wow. game and he lasted about 90 seconds <laughs> which oh, well, how long has he been here four years or what something yeah, for that, back yeah, that is just yeah it's crazy so there's obviously an issue there but we just need the centre half that can stay fit like Matt Eber is another one with Gomez yeah he's had a few injuries but they're like, injuries that you can't do anything about like he's broke a leg he what was the other one? A bad knee injury or yeah. something, wasn't it? Like yeah, it was the a fractured yeah. thing this time, wasn't it? Fractured foot. Was they're, it? they're things that you, <clears throat> like it happens kind of thing. But with Matt even Lovren, I don't know. It seems like every six weeks or so they're going to have a knock and he comes out of nowhere. Like you'd expect to see Lovren in the lineup and then next minute, oh, but there's Matty. <laughs> and he's like, so it's, it's like a, it's a muscle sprain or, or it's something like that. And it, you know, it, even like last season. You know, in this game at Brighton, when we played three at the back, and it was Chan and Wijnaldum as the yeah. the other two centre backs. Yeah, it, yeah, it's ridiculous, really, that this is still. So I, I think we could definitely strengthen the. I think there's an argument um, that we would still. I mean, I'd love to see us get like a proper midfield playmaker. Um, there's an argument that we thought we were getting that in the summer, and Kaita hasn't. 
delivered as yet. Um, but a real sort of pass master, I'd love to see. And the, the striker thing, I always thought that's a tough sell because we've got very much a first choice three, haven't we? You know, in terms of if you're if you're a player and you're thinking, should I go to Liverpool? The second thing you think is, well, I've got to get past, mm. um, you know, Mane, Salah, and Firmino, which is a tough task. You know, whether you're buying someone who's a proven performer or whether you're looking for a young player who might develop. But your point, Sean, about the African Cup of Nations, I think, if anything, makes that recruitment sell a little bit easier because it stands to, there's no way they can, you know, at the start of this season, I think certainly um, Firmino and Salah seem to have a hangover from the World Cup. And you could say possibly the same, you know, in terms of the, there might be a similar one for Salah and Mane from the African Cup of Nations. So if you're saying to someone, come and play for Liverpool, you can definitely say to them, you'll get your chance. You know, the first 10 games of the season, you're going to be playing more often than not because they will still be recuperating. So if anything, I think that perhaps make the, makes the sell easier. Mm, definitely. And I, I suppose, you know, Klopp's always said, hasn't he, that, um, and I, I guess sort of the piecemeal recruitment we've seen over previous seasons, you know, he, he's happy to wait for top targets, or he has been at least. And he's always been quite clear that he only wants a squad that he can manage and play as he can keep happy. But I don't know, like he's... Could he change his principles a little bit this time? Because I think, like like a couple of the lads have said, it, you know, we're we're here, we're we're in a position where we could win the league in January. It would, I think it would give the fans a lift as well, uh, just a, a shining, especially if it was if it was a centre back. I think it would just allay fears a little bit, which which could be which could be quite big for us. So any, anything that would build a little bit of momentum and 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 help us for a few months. And I guess you know, if we if we sign someone now and and won silverware. Every single, every person connected to the club, you'd like to think would be happy to deal with that problem in the summer. If we've got one extra man in the summer, you know, worry about it then as 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 winners of something rather than you know maybe going without and, and not winning something. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Interesting point from basically saying that we're looking for a Ronnie Rosenthal. <laughs> <laughs> Came in, did the business, didn't he, at the back end of that last title winning season? But we speak on strikers, and you brought it up there, Sean. All talk about a new striker coming in. Is, are you guys changing your opinion on Sturridge? Because I remember when we were doing podcasts at the start of the season, he was revitalised, he was scoring goals, he's obviously out of contact in the summer, and a lot of people say, is it time to just start opening talks? But I thought on Monday night against Wolves, he just didn't look like he was there. No, he didn't. That's right. The thing with Daniel Sturridge is, and I think every Liverpool fan will relate to this, you'd always feel like he's going to score an important goal from somewhere. And he has done that this season. And when you're going for a title, I'd just... It, it's got to be his last season at Liverpool, but I would not think about getting rid of him now. Because there will be a moment when we need a goal this season. And if... Daniel, Daniel Sturridge knows that he's coming onto the pitch to score a big goal. He probably will score it. He's like, he, There's that arrogance about him that he loves scoring big goals. So I'll keep him for now. And then in the summer, say, nice one for everything. See you later, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think some of his, might be wrong about this, I mean, maybe he did start a couple of games, but some of his contributions early in the season were, were cameos off the bench. And it, it didn't really, I know it's easy to say in hindsight, but maybe it just kind of wasn't his type of game of the night where. It was always going to be a bit more late, but they had to do kind of do a bit more running, and we weren't didn't have as much of the ball as maybe we would have uh, in normal situations. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with Phil. Well, we, I think there will be times where off the bench he will he will still make an impact for us this season. Um, and, and I think the other night, whilst he didn't cover himself in goal, he didn't didn't have a great game. Um, 
you could say that about quite a few, quite a few of them. And it was, the, you know, the whole team is disjointed, which is going to have a knock-on effect in, in kind of each each rung of the team, if you like. And um, so I think I think it's you know he'll still prove himself useful for us this season. But again, like like Philbo said, would not be surprised whatsoever if he if he did go in the summer. Yeah, I think he's a really useful player to just have on the bench. He's not necessarily a starter, but um, I think it's quite harsh to judge him against Wolves. With obviously you mentioned the team, um, he didn't get a lot of service. Uh, I know that doesn't doesn't really uh, help the fact that he didn't really look interested. Um, but I think if you put him in a team where he's got better players around him, suddenly he looks a better player as well. And to have him as, a, as an option off the bench, I think most teams in the Premier League could take that. He's been ill-served, really, because um, in the summer, in pre-season, if you remember, he looked absolutely electric in every game. Shot, maybe, and then he yeah. just hasn't played really much at all since then. Um, I, I expected him to start more games than he has. Um, I mean, the thing we talked about earlier about sort of Firmino having a World Cup hangover, I almost think that's prevented Sturridge from playing more games than he has. Because, and also, I think the other thing that has is Salah playing more through the centre. Because if you're going to pick Sturridge, you have to play him through the centre. There's no point sticking him on the right wing because that's just a waste. He's not going to do anything for you out there. So both of those things have combined. I think Klopp, perhaps feeling Firmino, has to play through his hangover and Salah looking to come inside much more as a, a starting position have both um, come against him. I mean, he's a good player, but I'd have got rid of him in the summer. I'd have sold him then and tried to get a bit of money for him because um, he, I think he'll go. He'll leave for nothing um, in the um, in, in this summer. It'd be good to have have around, um, but his, his, his whole career, really, with Liverpool, because of, unfortunately, because of his physical frailty, which he can't help, will go down as, as what might have been. So we're not the only ones to disappoint on Monday night. And for the record, we probably have a quick chat about Wolves. We've all, we've all agreed that Klopp's team selection, given the fact that the four points clear at the top, was the right one. But are you too fussed? You know, is it, I know, you know, you went, mate, on a Monday night all the way to Wolves. Yeah. What was, like, what were the feelings after <laughs> well, he knocks out? Um, Wolves on Monday night and Wolves a Friday night before Christmas, it couldn't have been any different. <laughs> I, I honestly can't remember an away end who that a good drink like <laughs> that Friday night before Christmas every si- if there was a sober person in that away end I'd love to see who he was because it just wasn't it wasn't possible but and it was like the celebrations were great and that for the league game but for the cup game I'd, people have been moaning on Twitter about it going if you didn't want to win why you bother going I don't think people wanted to lose the game and it, like, I went with the mentality of just don't draw, just don't no replay, please. If we go out, we go out. If we win, great. You could end up in Newport at home the next round, and then the draw opens up for you, and then it's just a great chance of winning something. So, obviously, you go to a match want to win, but when we lost, it was like right onto Brighton kind of thing. It was nice to see these like lads who you hear about it getting the opportunity to prove. Why does this fuss about them? And yeah, it was one of them. <laughs> That's all I can say there. It's I wasn't too disheartened about it. No, I mean I totally agree. I mean it, it was the lowest priority at the start of the season, yeah. so you're not going to change your mind on that mm-hmm. now, are you? Um, not least given the position we're in in the league. So having gone out, if we'd have gone through, fine. But I'm not really too bothered. It gives us an extra rest, gives the players an extra chance to prepare for the Champions League. Um, possibly go away for a, a warm uh, 
winter training break. So Some of Klopp's best wins as Liverpool manager have come when we've had a break and he's took the team away mm-hmm. somewhere and he's had time with the staff to like focus completely on one game and he's going to get that opportunity twice now. Yeah. The end of this month and some point in February, so it could help. So I'm not too fussed. No, and I think it was it was a bit of a weird one when you look at the last two games because straight after City, I certainly got the sense and felt like this myself to be honest that not that the FA Cup was a distraction, but you just wanted the next league game to come around because I thought you know as we've discussed we played all right and and you want to be able to react to it straight away. So I think I think there was that was palpable. Like say you know looking on social media and looking at our accounts and that. Um, but then, strangely, despite the fact that everyone was just like, "Oh, just I'd love it to be Brighton now," then there was kind of like, you know, a mega fume when when it didn't go right at Wolves, which is just it's bizarre. But I, you know, yeah, I totally agree with Paul. And I think as well, like, whilst also a frustration is that the habit of the past few seasons has been disappointments and underperformance in the FA Cup. It's not like whilst we haven't won anything, obviously got to say under Klopp so far, we, we've been to finals in every other cup competition, and yeah. you know. I, I, I just think it's been a bit unlucky and him him in the FA Cup so far. It's not like a thing that he's you know you know disrespected the competition or anything. I think the, the team selection was right. It was fair. We've already mentioned Lovren. I mean, as much as well as the um, the, the young lad did when he came on. I mean, how how unlucky is that? You know, you've you've lost. Yeah. Um, you only recognised like centre back who's on the pitch and instantly and that that, that disrupted things. You know, Milner was under par. Um, that was, you know, I can't remember many times he's cost Liverpool a goal, if ever. Yeah, yeah he did that. Um, you know, we talked about the forward line, and it, and it wasn't the right game for them. Um, yeah, you know, the, the last two games we've we've have been tricky. The, the hardest, the hardest away game we're gonna have in the league, and one of the hardest draws we could have got in in the FA Cup as well. And you know, in both games, they've been reasonably finely poised. We've been we've been one one, and and I think we've been a little bit unlucky thereafter. So yeah, it's not it's not a concern for me. The the fume as well about. Klopp not taking the cup seriously. It's as if fans, because they couldn't really have a go at anything after City because we played well and we just lost to Man City, they just wanted to vent about yeah, something. Sure. Yeah, 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 and yeah, after good. such an intense period of playing so many games in whatever amount of days it was, if you're going to rest people, do it the Wolves in the cup rather than Brighton in the league next week because what's more important really, winning the league or winning the FA Cup, everyone knows what every single Liverpool fan wants but it just felt like some of the fans see professional football and treat it like a game of FIFA like they can just play all the time mm-hmm. that's how it felt so Brighton this Saturday followed by Palace at home Leicester at home West Ham away on a Monday night and then Bournemouth at home before that 11 day break he was talking about Paul there before Bayern Munich home in the Champions League and then Man United away in the Premier League got City's run at the same time we mentioned it before they've got Wolves at home Huddersfield away Newcastle away Arsenal at home and Chelsea at home as well. Two more kind cup draws against Burton Albion at home in the League Cup and Burnley in the FA Cup. Even though they have got kind cup draws, they've got harder league games there, City. There's no question about it. Certainly Chelsea at home. We've seen that Chelsea can, can beat any side on the day. There's a real chance for the Reds now these next five games. I think the gap will be around seven, eight points by the time February comes. By that break? Yeah, definitely. I just think... Liverpool have got the games where, well, we be, we every game we've played against anyone outside the top six, we've won. And I think that's just going to continue. I, when you're watching Liverpool against these sides, it's it's as if after 10 minutes it seems like, oh, why are we even here? <laughs> it, you just know that we're going to like start playing and start scoring eventually. So, on paper, it should be five on the bounce, whether it is or not. 
we'll see, but the one game a week thing is massive. And I don't like I know City have got favourable cup draws, but they've still got cup games. Right, I'd be have to prepare for that. They could play a similar side again. Who did they get in the cup? Burnley. Burnley at home, yeah. yeah. If they go and play like the Bruyne Guerrero and that, one of them pulls a hamstring. Oh, that's not good, is it? But yeah, we'll see. I I I can see the gap being around seven points by the time we have that break before Bayern Munich. Mm. At least seven. Yeah, I think Saturday feels big. You know, you just you want to see the reaction, um, and and. It's a chance for us to just kind of remind everyone that we're, we're four points clear for a reason, and that the last two games have been a, a blip. I was going to say that, but you know we've, we've talked about both games, and I think we acquitted ourselves very well in the first one, and the second one was partly a result of the hard drawn and team selection, which was understandable. So, you know, th- there is no cause for concern there. But yeah, I think we, if we if we start this run off in the right way and, and go and prove a bit of a point on Saturday, then there's there's no reason to disagree with Fobo, and and we could well be back to back to that slightly more comfortable gap. Uh, by the time the, uh, the Champions League games come we around play, We play before City and Tottenham a lot as well. So win the games and put the pressure on and see how they react. Yeah, there was confidence. As you were at the start of the season, <coughs> as you were earlier in this podcast um, after in those fixtures. I'm, I'm always confident. I think, for me, that this next run of fixtures, um, football, certainly in the eyes of the like the national media and the, the sort of the fans across the country is about narratives. And I think the narrative now that people want to see, unless you're a Liverpool fan, is a proper battle and Liverpool perhaps starting to crack under City pressure. Um, so I think it's after, after being, you know, after being beaten by City and then they lost at Wolves. Now we've talked about how we kind of dismissed the loss mm-hmm. at Wolves as having no impact on the league campaign. But I think, like we say, it's up to us to, to set our own narrative going forward and just to to get back into that routine of winning, like we were winning games 2-0, 3-0, you know, just a comfortable uh, routine, you know, just going through that same routine week after week to stop that narrative gaining momentum because I think the more it does, the more pressure gets put on us. I mean, even, let's say, for worst comes to worst, if, now I don't think it's happened for a minute, but if we lose at Brighton or even draw, then that narrative kind of ramps up. Oh, mm-hmm. look, yeah. you know, City yeah. put the pressure, they can't cope, yeah. they can't cope. And it's you know, oh, and it's like oh, it's January. Liverpool always go in January, um, so we win, and it just puts all that to to bed. Now we should win. I I think we will, but that's the thing for me. I think it's just to to sort of get you know to to start the engine again, and just keep on motion along and win, 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 and let's see how um, how the other teams do. And our remarkable December showed that even City will um, you know will crumple in the in the face of that if we're constantly. Um, you know, sort of tugging on the hem of the coat to say we're still here, we won again. It, it becomes a enough of a distraction, even for them with all their superstars and all their money, that they find it hard to um, to respond to. With City, before December, they their mentality was right. We've won. Oh, Liverpool have won again, and the, the goal against against Everton near the moment felt like a massive moment because they thought, oh, we are. This is our chance to like get a bit of a gap, and they didn't. And then the week after, we played Bournemouth, and we won and put the pressure on. If we go and win on Saturday, seven points again, and they play Wolves on a Monday night, mm-hmm. that will not be easy. No. And also, we're kind of drilling up Tottenham. I think Tottenham will lose too many games, 
but they've got Man United. So there is a there is a chance where we could see another weekend like the one where we played Arsenal, where Tottenham lose, City lose, we win, and it's happy days again. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I, sorry. I mean, I mean, Brighton's massive for us. I think if we beat Brighton and we're convincing there, it puts to bed the argument that you know Liverpool might fall off a cliff, which I don't think is going to happen. I think if we beat Brighton, I'd back us to go on and win. You know, four or five games in a row there. And as you say, looking at Manchester City's fixtures, that should be enough to at least maintain, if not extend, the gap that we've already got to them. Just a final one. We we talked about touched on thirteen fourteen early, and then the Benitez season wasn't it? We're finishing second to United. What do you guys reckon? Do you, do you think this is a more complete Liverpool team than those last two that went so close to you know to, to getting the title back? It's the best Liverpool side I've ever seen. Really, Simple. that's a big one. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm older than everyone else, so I'd say it's still got some work. You know, the the best one I've ever seen would be the Barnsbys, the Oldies. That was my that was my favourite team to go and uh, go and see standing. On, you know, I was standing on the court when John Barnes zigzagged through uh, QPR, and you know, the memories like that are amazing. But it's certainly in terms of the the last two title bids. I think Rafa's was like of the two, Rafa's was the more complete squad. Although there were some obvious weaknesses uh, in terms of you know perhaps his wide players, certainly wide left. We never had you know if we'd assigned Damien Duff mm-hmm. um, earlier on in the in, in the noughties, you know he'd have been a, a key component of that side. For it. We never got a convincing left sided attacker. I think the Rogers side was was. Totally unbalanced, you know. I mean, it was a, it was a fascinating ride, but if you concede fifty goals, it's very difficult to to win anything. So yeah, I, I think it's the most um, the most complete in terms of just the ability throughout the um, throughout the squad. Yeah, I, I agree. With I think balance is the key word, and you know we've got obviously a very very mean defence, and we score almost as many goals as City, and we've got a few behind them in terms of goals scored, aren't we? So. Um, you know, and I think we touched on it before as well when we were talking about how impressive December was. This team can win in, in so many different ways, and and that's the thing I think is is different to those the, the ones the two other sides we're talking about there. And I think that there was a sense as well in slightly different ways, but the, those two sides, the the, the Ra- Rogers and Rafa ones, were kind of almost at the extent of their abilities. But we've this team is you know it's pretty young um, is. Has only really just completely come together in terms of you know clock building a squad over the past few windows, um, and I think can can get better, um, and that's that is the let's so we let's say we go on and have success this season. That's the frightening thing I think for the other teams in the league. Um, you know that this, this squad can get better and the team can be more cohesive, and with a couple of additions, it could be truly frightening. Uh, on what you just said about if we go and get success this season, I think why so many people do not want Liverpool to win the league is they fear. What could follow next? Yeah, and it'd been like, oh, this is just like the 80s all over again. Well, all the old players say, if you ever interview an old player, they always say the first one's the hardest. And like, I know footballers can speak in cliches yeah. a lot of the time, but they all say it. So are you confident, Matt, that the first one could be coming? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've got, we've got no obvious weaknesses at the moment. Certainly, in my lifetime, left-back's always been a problem. And now we've got the best left-back in the country, one of the best in the world. Um Klopp's done fantastically well, Michael Edwards as well. You've got to give him loads and loads of credit for building the rounded squad. And, you know, up to now we've seen no signs that we're going to stop winning games and keep winning games, maintain that buffer for as long as we can. And, you know, there comes a point sort of March, April time where that gap is going to be, I think, at least the four points it is now. Um, and then, all four, I think all four of us have said before, we believe in it. Suddenly, the rest of the country might have to start believing too. 
Well, on that suitably upbeat note, uh, we'll, we'll finish today's podcast. We'll be back probably after looking at the fixtures after the Brighton and Palace games and then seeing if uh, Klopp and Mr Edwards, like you mentioned there, has done any secret transfer business again. Lads, thanks very much for joining us. Cheers. Cheers. All the best. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.